Welcome to The Ecosystem. I'm your host, Kelly Eco, and we are here. We're back previewing the NBA season. I couldn't be more honored to be joined by an esteemed panel of guests. I call them guests, but the rest of my brothers. Uh, we got Yahoo's finest, Jack Fisher over here. Congrats on the new gig. Mo DeKeel. Who, those of you that, that, that have followed me in the past, you do know me and Mo's history, you know, two of the greatest co-hosts to ever walk the face of the earth. Brody, Brody and the, and beard. the beard. Rest every, in Houston, peace. every Houston Rockets fan hating me, but loving you. It was perfect for you, Kelly. Yes, worked sir. great for you. Yes, sir. And, and Zach Harper, the Wizard of Pod. That's what I call him. The voice of the athletic, doing, I call myself. No one else calls oh. me that, but I call myself that. Oh, my God. Already? Like, yes, we're not sir. even a minute in. Hey, I was karaoke last night. I'm, I'm warmed up. I'm, I'm ready to go. Yes, sir. So, you know, right off the bat, want to get it right into it. Golden State. You know, we, we saw extensions for Jordan Poole, for Andrew Wiggins. Jake, I want to start with you. What was kind of the league-wide perception of what went on behind the scenes? You know, why they did this now as opposed to waiting? What does it mean for Draymond Green's future? Stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I've heard, there was not a lot of expectation that Draymond would be getting an extension this time of the year. Um, I mean, especially with Jonathan Kaminga as someone who, I mean, Maybe Mo knows this better than me, but anytime I talked to an opposing video room guy at some point last season, they were all excited about Jonathan Kaminga. And the Warriors people obviously have high hopes for him. We've seen a little bit in preseason what he's going to do. With Poole and Wiggins, I mean, clearly those are two guys. I mean, Wiggins was the Warriors' unquestioned second-best player in the finals last year, right? So they wanted to reward that guy. I think they wanted to um, shore up this kind of bridge into the next era, and Jordan Poole is obviously the centerpiece of that. In terms of the actual encore dynamics, do things change now with, you know, Draymond not having a deal yet, or is it, you know, business as usual? I mean, it all comes down to Draymond and how he responds to it. You know, he we know he wanted an extension, and now everybody around him got an extension, but him. So, you know, there there could be a little bit of like, yo, what about me? Sort of feelings. I've only won what four titles here. Sorry, you know, maybe I should get a little bit of love in <laughs> uh, that. But it comes down to him and how he wants to handle it. You know, and and how he goes about it. If he goes about it like, all right, I just got to play my butt off and and, and go, then that's they're going to be just fine. If it's going to be him upset, pouting, if if listen, we're all going to be waiting for the first assist to Jordan Poole, right? Like that's going to be the first question we're we're waiting for. So it just comes down to that. Like it's it really it's up to Draymond at this point. Zach, in terms of the I guess the petty levels, because I know everyone's going to be watching yeah, opening night. I know you're interested, but what, what what exactly are you, I guess, most intrigued about this whole, because it's a very, if you think about it on a macro scale, the dynamic is very interesting. You know, you have, you know, Steph, Draymond, then you have the whole Steve Kerr thing. What are you looking forward to most throughout, you know, going to State Studios? I think everyone's focusing on the wrong thing. Everyone's like, oh, what's Draymond going to do? What's Dray- Draymond's on a contract here. Draymond's going to play his ass off. Like that, like he's looking for hundreds of millions of dollars. Like he's... He's going to be on his best behavior. The only thing to worry about with him, I guess, is the back, right? Like, can his back hold right. up and can he get 65 games in and get another defensive player of the year? But he's like, Draymond's got to be on his best behavior. I'm focused on pool. I want to know what his reactions are. Thursday night, I think their last preseason game, there's a moment where like Draymond tried to like go dap him up after a play and everything. Jordan Poole's just kind of like, I don't know if he's oblivious to it or if he's just not messing with him yet, but like he just seemed very stone faced about it. And I want to know what that interaction is going to be like all season. Like, I kind of feel like not, I mean, they wanted to give him an extension. It's not like the extension was a surprise. I want to know how much extra did he get because of that punch? 
because I think you have to recognize like maybe they wanted to play hardball. They could have easily gone into this season and said, hey, we want another year from you. Let's see what you got. Go into restricted free agency, see what you get, and then we'll match whatever. But I think this kind of forced their hand of like, hey, if you want Jordan Poole to let bygones be bygones and go be as professional as possible and try to put this aside, yeah, you probably need a little incentive. And that might have been the extension and maybe, I don't know, 10 million extra, 20 million extra. I don't know what it was, but it feels like they're focused now on making sure that he doesn't do anything to disrupt the chemistry because I think one act out of him where it's like he's like, nah, screw this. I'm not I'm not cool with any this anymore. That could trigger Draymond into something where Draymond's probably not gonna handle that well. Shocking. We- Draymond not handling it well? That's that's shocking. We've but never seen but that. But also play like that's weird though, right? Because he is like he's one of two leaders on this team. Like I, look, he's Draymond, don't get me wrong, but there are times where like they look to him for direction, for leadership, to like funny enough to calm people down in, in those moments, whether they're upset or rattled or whatever and Jordan Poole doesn't really have to play along if he doesn't want to you know do we think because this has happened in the past with Draymond and Kevin Durant and that being a whole distraction during the season do we think that this whole situation now now you add the contract stuff do you could it be a season-long distraction or is this team experienced enough to let things you know go under the rug I think it's going to be business as usual honestly I think this is a team that clearly has the bigger picture in mind, right? Everyone's pretty much gotten paid across the board. Draymond, while his situation's unresolved, he's been paid a plenty, obviously, throughout uh, the last half decade in Golden State. And you know, with Iguodala back for only one more year, I mean, this is like the tone that's been the same tone year after year after year since 2015 has been, honestly, not since 2015, since that 73-win season did not result in a championship, right? I think Golden State has been fully redesigned in terms of focusing on working smarter, not harder, and with the ultimate end goal obviously being making the finals six out of eight years and winning four of them. So that's clearly the bottom line, the common denominator here. And I, I do expect them to kind of turn the page, and at some point this will be more of a footnote on what the Warriors season uh, ends up becoming, but we'll see. I mean, if someone gets injured again and things aren't moving as expected, then maybe th- these are the kind of the fibers that are tickled a little bit already and some adversity hits and who knows what can happen. Yeah, I, I think it's how the season goes for them. Whenever they hit a, a rough patch, we're going to hear about that. And it's going to be brought up over and over again. Whenever they hit a, uh, when they're hot, we're never going to even really think about it. And I think it's kind of like, it's not the same situation, but it's kind of like DeAndre Ayton last year with the Suns, right? Like, you didn't really hear much about him being upset about the the contract negotiations or whatever during the season. Once they once they lost, we started to hear all the stuff, right? And everything. Well, that's that's to come the joys out. of being able to travel with your Xbox. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just tune it out. Yeah. You know? But I, I I think that's the but I think that's what it's going to be. I think, you know, whenever they if they start the season slow, everybody's going to talk about this being the hangover result. If they start out nine and two. We're not going to even really blink at it. So, you know, speaking of things that could be a distraction, I got to talk about this because Russell Westbrook, the Lakers, he's coming off the bench. Yeah. Um, we see what's going on behind the scenes. Mo, I want to start with you because you, you've covered this team extensively. First of all, can Russ and the second unit work? What is that going to look like? What is the best version of this Lakers team? Because right now it looks kind of iffy from all sides. 
I personally don't think it could work with the second unit. I don't think it could work with the first unit just because they don't have shooting. They don't have shooting. Like, that's the thing, right? So, okay, we're just going to crowd the paint with with whenever Russ is on the court. You know, there's uh, we saw all the videos of him being detached from the guys in general. But, like, a great example just on the court, there was a play in one of their preseason games Russ is pushing the ball in transition and LeBron's running the wing and is is making a cut. Russ sees him and then Russ tries to occupy the same space as LeBron. I'm like, yo, slow down, let LeBron clear through. And then you have a layup. It's like almost like, oh, I see LeBron cutting. I got to beat him to the spot. It's it's that kind of stuff with Russ. I just don't think he sees it. I it's not going to work. I mean. Kelly, you know how long I've been dealing with Russ since we did oh, man. the whole Brody and the beard. How I much mean, time it was got? that. You know, so it's just like I just don't see it working with him in any way. Jake, this Lakers team sucks. Let's just say like it's not <laughs> yeah. good. Like we, I, I keep saying this, but I believe it. Like this is simply out of respect for LeBron's resume that we have. Like that we, as a entire basketball society, haven't written this team off. AD is not trustworthy. Russ is not going to fit. Like Pat Beverly is a great pickup for them, but he can't he can't create an entire culture for them. LeBron is great on offense, doesn't play any defense anymore. They like if Austin Reeves goes down, they're screwed. Think about what I just said. That shouldn't yes. be the no offense to Austin Reeves. That shouldn't be the case. Like right. I think it's important to note that they had seven guys just come off the books last season. Um, from free agents of veterans they had picked up the previous offseason, and none of them have signed anywhere. So I think that shows how bad the, the roster was last year. But they replaced those guys with, like, Damian Jones and Juan Toscano-Anderson and um, Troy Brown. Lonnie not Walker. Troy, is it not Troy? Yeah, Troy Brown Jr. Yeah, Lonnie Walker's the best Lonnie one. Walker, yeah. Yeah, like, right, Lonnie right. Walker, like, at least there's something there. That was, he could that was a sneaky good ad, yeah. Thing. Right. But yeah. this, like, the team's just not good. Like, they, there's there's a lack of talent. It doesn't. LeBron and AD could play 65 games each. There's a lack of talent around them that I just don't know if they can make up for anymore. I really do think if the Lakers make the playoffs, it's going to be an upset victory for Lakers fans, for people in that franchise. I don't know where they're. I'm not a gambling guy. I don't know where the odds are, or what their win total over under is, all that stuff. But if they're better than the Clippers, the Suns the Mavericks, the Nuggets, Minnesota, New Orleans, you know, I mean, go down the line. There's so many teams I didn't even say. Like, I'm going to be surprised. I'm going to be really surprised. I, I think the over-under was 44 and a half, I think. If they're 44? better than those teams. Wait, 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 oh, my if, they're, if they're better than those teams you named, Jake, but, like, something went horribly wrong in the entire NBA. Like, yeah. it's a whole different deal. Like, What's worse it, than a pandemic? That's what would have had to happen. Like, that's, <laughs> oh the, the, the volcano erupted in like yeah, five different meteor places. hits like, or something like that's like, like it's it's it's, it's that sure. kind of level. And forty four is quite high. Yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure they're going to be better than Portland and Sacramento. Yeah. That's who they're competing with. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna go that far, but I didn't want to potentially yeah. start getting disrespectful. Oh, uh, whatever. Yeah, there's a sound by the Zach's Lakers the nation's podcast. like, oh, we got. I get hate tweets all the time. It does. You get used to it. It's fine. J- Jake, Jake, Jake. We got disrespectful the moment Kelly said Zach was on the podcast. Like this, <laughs> mm-hmm. this yeah. is this yeah. is we we hey, crossed respect, that line. Respect Harper though. Respect <laughs> Amanda. Hey Jake. I know um, question for you. <laughs> you know, with this whole will he will he stay or he won't stay with Russ. How much attention is – I know we saw stuff about Indiana potentially getting involved in a deal for Russ. that not happening right now, but could this be something where Russ is on the team the entire season? Is is he going to be gone by February? What are other teams looking at in terms of 
potentially yeah. bring this guy on board. So I, I do think there's a really strong chance he's he's there the whole year because this is I mean to make a trade happen, two sides have to agree, right? And so for any team taking on Russell Westbrook, they are asking for at least one pick, right? And probably more. Most teams I've talked to have said we need both picks or, or it's not even a conversation. And you go to the Lakers side, what they have constantly communicated is that they're only willing to put two first round picks on the table if they think the package they're getting back is going to move them closer or make them a legitimate championship contender, which those two things don't seem like they can happen at the same time. So I'm not so sure, just just like when Kyrie Irving was quote unquote on the trade block and he was going out there trying to find sign and trade opportunities. Well, there needed to be a team that A, wanted him and B, had things to send back to Brooklyn that the Nets were interested in. And it didn't happen, right? So I think right. it's kind of the similar boat where in the Indiana thing might be the best package that's even possible that's out there. And it still was something that the Lakers didn't think it was enough for them to put chips on the table. So you look at the Charlotte potentially, do they become you know an unexpected team in this Victor Wembanyama race? They decide to put chips on the table, but even there, you know, Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier, they've got long-term money, and the Lakers want to keep their books clean for next summer. So you have to look at Utah and San Antonio, and I don't think those rosters are really flush of players that the Lakers think are going to up- upgrade their their window to compete here. So the Jordan Clarkson disrespect continues. What the hell are you doing? Not putting up these. It's a yearly tradition. What are they doing? Not putting up these picks. Like. If you make that Indiana trip, it's Russ and two firsts for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. That actually makes this team interesting in a positive way, not in a, like a punchline way. Like that, that would I would look at that team, and if you said like LeBron and AD can be healthy for sixty-five games, they've got Turner, they've got Heald, and obviously Miles Turner has some injury history, or whatever. But if you had those guys with AD, LeBron, Pat Beverly. I think that's a team that could be around sixth in the West. Maybe like maybe not end up getting it because the West is right. is deep again. But um, but that's a team that actually becomes competitive, like championship contender. No, but like your time is now anyway. It's LeBron's twentieth year. Like right. you don't have like this long term. You can go get picks. Like we forget that you could like you could trade AD to a bad team and get picks for him if this whole mm-hmm. thing falls apart in a year. Like it's I just don't understand the reluctance from the Lakers to go all in instead of just being on a treadmill. Is there something more that we're not seeing about, you know, that the hesitance to include that pick? Because if you're Rob Palenka, 2029, are you even going to be there? 2029? So it's like... I'm shocked you got the extension. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked you got the extension in the first place. Right. I'm not shocked you got the extension because that's been the genie bus playbook, right? Keep yeah. the four or five people I talk to right. around. And that's that's it's not a good thing but that's the deal but the, the one of the reasons why i don't think they made these trades is because i think they're betting on the web Miyama effect like you were saying jake and, and and maybe something will pop off and then the price changes during the season you know whether a, a another team drops a demand of two picks or the lakers are willing to 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 go for it, it it's you know, you got to let the season kind of play out i think they're also just betting on like hey somebody better is going to be available than those two guys Maybe they're, they're wrong, but, but I mean, oh. maybe they're wrong, but that's what they're, they're those are two good players. Like Miles Turner's so, a defensive player of the year candidate. Like Buddy Heald's an elite shooter and a good score. Like, I mean, 
I don't know. What did they, they think? It's Giannis be like, I want to be a Laker I mean, halfway through listen, the season. Listen, guys, they, they, they should have made the trade for Buddy Healed when he was in Sacramento instead of right. for Russ. I mean, like that. No, that's we, the missed whole, it. we would have missed out on so much content. That's, that's I don't a whole wrap. Yeah, for, it would have been great. For, it's great for us. It's great for us. But in general, like that's the deal. Like they've missed on that. So I think they're just trying to to wait. And then part of it's just Laker arrogance. Yeah, they right. just think they're the, they have this exceptionalism that they just think, hey, everybody wants to be a Laker. Everybody's going to bend. That's the problem with eventually. making that documentary. They got all those nostalgic oh feelings God. going up, and like they're like, oh shit. Yeah. Ooh, and it was and it was on Hulu. That was the first mistake. <laughs> when does Winning Time season two come out? Because that's what they need. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, they're casting right now, so it's uh, not even close. Oh, but that, but so, that Lakers exceptionalism, I think, is part of why they're they're keen on keeping their books clean for next year. Sure. And you know, Buddy's got long term money. Miles is going to need to get paid. He's at least going to. He wants to get paid. Uh, you know, at, when he becomes a free agent next year, and he definitely right. wants to test free agency from everything I've heard. And I think he's him and his people are very keen on saying that. Um, so it's not exactly as cut and dry when you also think about Miles and the fit. Where LeBron's more of a four these days. AD is obviously uh, has been maximized in LA when he has played the five. So. You play all three of those guys together, does it even make sense? And then the shooting that they're lacking, sure, Buddy does help. But yeah, I, I think with that contract situation, they're so they're they're just like they're they're so reticent to take on any long term money that's not someone that they're like committed to being their guy. Are they no, saving Jay, this you, money for Kyrie? Like, is this what we're we're looking for? Like it. next, they got some yeah. NFT yeah. lined up. <laughs> Talk, talk, no. talk about talk about content for us next year. Yeah, no, oh I, no, I think I think everything Jake just said is spot on and absolutely accurate. And I look at that and I'm still like, we're not sure if you're better than De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis this year. Like, yeah. make the yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost, with you. Like, yeah, LeBron, LeBron's almost forty. Right? Yeah, and and you got him. And they've said, and also to the Palinka thing too. Like you were saying, Mo. That they are locked into this decision core, and Jeannie's always supported Rob. And I mean, obviously, you know, Kobe didn't pass away too too long ago. But I think people are even forgetting that connective tissue that's been mm-hmm. so important there. Where Rob was Kobe's right. agent, Kobe and Jeannie were brother and sister, basically. You know, so this is a family affair. And don't forget think, Kurt Rambis. Don't yeah. forget Kurt Rambis. Well, Lin- I don't. Rambis really like that's the every day. Linda Rev is all over that documentary. Like she's like she's running that thing. Well, speaking of LA, you know, look at the Clippers. Are they? I think we say this every year, but is this finally the year we're going to see? You know, seventy games out of Kawhi and PG. You know, the the whole John Wall factor. I'm start with you, Zach. I don't. Think what do you, you think from the Clippers this year? I don't think you need seventy. You just need him there for the playoffs. And I've been saying, like, I don't even think you need Paul George for the playoffs. Like, he could be in and out. As long as Kawhi is there, that's a deep team. Like, that team is incredibly deep. They play big even when they're small because everyone they have that goes into that small lineup is 6'8 and strong. So it's not like they're losing a lot of interior beef. Like, yeah, they can't necessarily do that against Jokic, but who can't, right? Like, everyone else in that conference, like, I would feel confident in that small lineup against the big lineup of the Timberwolves. Like, I just – I think that that's a – a huge matchup problem for the NBA. It's just, is Kawhi going to be healthy? And I know Clippers fans are going to be sick of hearing that all year, but that's where we are. Like, that's just, that. them's the breaks when you have Kawhi as the star on your team is you have to go through that conversation. But Ty Lue, like, I look at the job Ty Lue did last year, and if there were any doubts from anybody that he is an elite coach, not a good coach, an elite coach, getting that team to be as competitive as they are, and now you take that experience with guys like Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Nicholas Batum, who had a bounce back, all those guys, 
And now instead of, hey, we need you to carry this shit every night, it's now, hey, we just need you to compliment Kawhi and Paul George. It empowers that team so beautifully. And so I like they should be as good as anybody in the conference. But it's but yeah, it's gonna come down to health. I mean, this is the last year. We could we could keep giving them the 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 benefit of the doubt of No, we all can do it every this. year. We do it every year. No, no, but this next is five it. years this, we'll do it. If it doesn't happen this year, it's not happening. And it's now Bomber's gotta figure out what he's gonna do and 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 you know, he can't just jump up and down and scream uh into the microphone at, at games and things like that. But the, for me it's this is the it's now or never for them and also for the Denver Nuggets. Now or never for both teams. That's that's a little bit uh, extreme, I think, on the Nuggets side. But I do agree with you with the Clippers being that, look, before they made that that sneaky run to the Western Conference Finals two years ago, there were already some rumblings that maybe that front office could have been in jeopardy. Um, so with all these expectations, if they have a situation like Phoenix last year or Utah, uh I think it's certainly possible we could see some changes, but that's a ways away. Obviously, the the, the optimism there is at a full time high, and I, we're even starting to see, you know, Tyloo. I forget which coach he put as the head coach, but he, he stepped aside to to give some kind of sh- shine and spotlight to his right. staff. Like there already, there's already the vibes of we're going to be a championship contending team. People might want to brain drain our coaches. Let's let's showcase our people. That's the type of confidence that. That organization has about competing, so that that's to say, if they don't get there yet, and then it would be interesting to see what what changes can occur. Does John Wall change anything? I know if you want to classify his time in Houston as a mirage, because <laughs> I I didn't see him at all. Um, yeah, you didn't know. <laughs> he was there, the, right? The la- Allegedly, like he was, no, he was there, and then and then he wasn't. Uh, yeah, know, he just kind of was away Sh- from the team, but showed up for breakfast, got a little coffee. <laughs> yeah, a little coffee. But, but it was don't it was such a weird thing. It was so weird because I, you know, originally I thought that he was going to be part of that, you know, him at the one, you know, Jalen Green at the two, Kevin Porter at the three, but that obviously didn't work out. But now he comes to, you know, a new home with the Clippers. They're deep, they're competitive. Do you think he tilts their scales in any direction? I I like the pickup for him. One, because I don't think he has to play. He doesn't have to play like John Wall, right? Like he doesn't have to carry the team in any way, shape, or form and things like that. But I think what he brings is uh, being a connector, a guy that will play, make, and distribute more than not, get to the rim a little bit. I think that's something that they needed. It's, you know, the two areas of weakness I always thought for the few years was, you know, lack of size after Zubac. And then on top of that, it was another playmaker or an actual playmaker. And I think they filled that role there with, with John Wall. Yeah, I think I think with Wall, like, it's funny because he once got really mad about the whole Reggie Jackson money situation, but he just has to be like Reggie Jackson was last year, right? Like, he doesn't have to go be an All NBA point guard or anything like that. Um, also, they like they, in theory, have so much playmaking from Kawhi and and Paul George within the flow of that offense that um, he doesn't even necessarily have to be a a pure point. Like he can just attack in space off the catch when he's on the floor with them. And then he can run the team when they're not on the floor and he's out there with, with the reserves and, you know, Kennard compliments him really well. Morris compliments him really well. Batum compliments him really well. Um, he can just kind of be free flowing and, and not have to force the issue. And I think that's important for him and kind of finding whatever rhythm he needs. It's, I don't want to make the exact comparison, but it, it reminds me a little bit of, 
of Derrick Rose getting to Minnesota and trying to figure out, all right, what's that going right. to look like? I, it, yeah. There are a lot of similarities there. So, I also think I haven't talked to him about it personally, but it just sounds like he had a really rough go of it the last couple yeah. of years, right? Yeah. I think being around a good, in theory, a good winning team in LA, Sunshine, he might just be having a fucking ball out there to the point where like right. he's just easily a replacement level point guard for just having fun being back out on the court. Yeah. I got, I kind of have to talk about Phoenix for a little bit, you know, with this whole contractual Jay Crowder and, and <laughs> I don't even know how to describe a situation, but it's like, Apologize I would for think the language. That I believe you. I believe you call it a clusterfuck. I believe that's what it is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, broke the f bomb seal. So here we go. There we go. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't. I don't. I don't get it. Why it's happening now? Obviously, you understand why Crowder wants to get paid and he wants a bigger role and the whole Cam Johnson stepping into that starting spot. But do you think Jay Crowder is gone by opening night? You know, we haven't. You know, I know the Hawks were interested in other teams here and there, but. What do you think is going to happen with Jay Crowder ultimately by opening night? Or is it going to be something that lingers into the season? I mean, the word I got was that Crowder was the one who kind of initiated this holdout and him not reporting, right? right? Yeah. So um, I know his agent has gotten permission to seek out trades. I, mean, I, I had heard he was involved in trade talk, or at least the um, the Suns were exploring trading him, dating back to the draft. So he's been out there on the market for months now. And then this was kind of, I mean, in calls around the league, Jay Crowder and the Draymond punch were the two big topics that were actually out there in these last couple of weeks. So if he hasn't been moved yet, that means either one of two things. Either means that the, that the Rockets have, or excuse me, the Suns have a package in their pocket already that they're just trying to go out and beat. That's on the table. They could just accept it before opening night. Or the other thing means that they've got nothing. They've got nothing that's going to move their books. And they're just kind of holding out and hoping that an injury is going to happen or what have you, where some team is going to decide, shit, we got to go add a guy like Drake Router. But it's hard to find a team that, that wants to give up assets back, where kind of like the Russ situation, where the Suns, they want to get a rotation caliber piece in return. And then a team has to also be willing to give that, but reward Jake Router with the three year, 30 plus million dollar deal that he wants, which. I don't know too too many teams that are dying to do that for a thirty two year old who's yeah not in twenty twenty two. Well, to be fair, PJ Tucker just got three years at thirty seven. <laughs> but that's, so that's call well, that's Daryl Moore. Yeah, that's Daryl Moore. Well, though. I would call Daryl Moore then if I'm, yeah, if I'm call Jay Crowder's Philly. agent. Yeah, Mo. that's the thing. There's no place for him. There's yeah. no real. I mean, the the one place I think that he makes the most sense is Miami. Mm-hmm. But I don't see a way that they're giving anything to Phoenix that helps Phoenix. You know, Caleb Martin maybe like maybe. if you if because he's on a an easy contract to to move once that that date comes to where you can move him. But that's what is it? is that January that that would happen? Like so, you're waiting yeah. months anyway to do that. And, and and the way the West is like, I don't know if you can wait that long. And I think yeah. they're they're just in a tough spot with that scenario. Like it's it's a guy that's just not going to bring a ton back. Like he hits the open market, he his phone's going to blow up, right? Like he's going to get several right. calls from several teams. That'll try to give him a chance, but there's nothing you can. I don't think you can get anything back for him, as Jake was saying. That just makes it make sense for Phoenix. So I almost think like they just got to find a way of like, hey man, we were just kidding. You could start. Like I don't know. I mean, like it's almost like they they are in a tough spot. It's because, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they it, just it can't. feels a, it feels a little like the Iguodala Memphis situation. You know. Yeah. Right. right. 
I've yeah. even been asking people, and the answers have not been very optimistic. But to the point of where this the situation, the standoff seems to be, it seems like a standoff. I've been asking people more: How can you resolve this? How can Phoenix and Jay come back to an understanding and get him in the building more so than how can we get a deal done? Yeah, and Jake, you can't you can't have an understanding with Jay Crowder. He he tweets in all caps. Like that's that's not a man who is going to come to a compromise. Like that's just that's nobody who tweets in all caps is right. going to is going to be reasonable in a situation. Mo, for for you know the Suns who are going to move forward with Cam Johnson, I think Johnson with those starters played about like forty minutes last season. Do the on court dynamics change that much with Cam Johnson? I know, obviously he's still a three and D guy, but how much different can we see the Suns this season with? Cam swapping out for Jay Crowder. Well, I think part of it is not understanding the difference between Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's thick, right? Like he's almost more a four, and his mm-hmm. body can can sustain that. Like you watch Cam Johnson in that playoff series against Dallas, Luca was posting him up and putting him in the basket. Like it wasn't, you know, it, it's a lot harder for him to do that against Jay Crowder. So it's not like just an easy one to one. Uh, substitution like this will be easy for us let's go like Cam Johnson just doesn't have the weight for it they got to play a little bit differently I think he can do a little more offensively than Crowder but ultimately I think defensively like they're going to miss Crowder just because of that and I don't think Johnson can just come in and fill that role that easily yeah I think he helps I think it it hurts them defensively but it transforms them even more offensively because Cam Johnson's a real shooter Jay Crowder is like year to year, like, ooh, hope he's good this year from three. Whereas Cam Johnson is like an elite right. 42, 43, 44% guy. Like it's it's almost it's almost like having the good version of Duncan Robinson out there on offense. But defensively, yeah, he's got to bulk up. I don't even know if it's a if it's a bulk up thing. Like I I just think some guys don't His body's really know not hard how, like that. Yeah, yeah, they don't really yeah. know how to hold their ground in that situation. Like that's what you know. With Mo was talking about with him against Luca, and it's not right. it's not bad to get bullied by Luca. Most people do, but it was the way that it happened that it was just like you're like, oh, he can't he can't even be on the floor right now. I mean, it was Luca literally going like, oh, he's yeah. Give me the post no, he's just calling for it. Like, like, I'm, gonna, like, I'm oh, about to here. That was, that was this guy's chest in with my shoulder. Nice. Like it was, yeah, so it was like an automatic call for him. Like mm-hmm. that's 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 not a good sign for you. <laughs> this is more educated speculation than anything, but I wonder. You know, Phoenix picked up Bismack Biombo in January, and he played a pretty uh, legitimate role for them right. uh, in the season. And also, I think he helped characterize the Suns' thoughts on not wanting to pay DeAndre Ayton too much money. Right, being that you could just pick up Biombo off the street, literally, yeah. and he could be a fucking role partner for Chris. <laughs> I wonder if the Suns are a team that bites on Carmelo or mm-hmm. one of the veteran, you know, front court guys that's kind of waiting on on the wings here. Because yeah. if you think about a team that has a need and uh, a real reason and expectations to go try to see if one of those guys can be some type of an answer, Phoenix is probably right at the top of the list. And all, well, also too, like you know, at some point, are they getting Dario Sarge back this season? Like I know he had another surgery, but like, are they if they're if they're expecting to have him by the postseason, then maybe that maybe they're they're saying, hey, we can kind of withstand some stuff because Dario, you know, Dario is not going to replace Jake Crowder, but he does give them uh, an interesting dynamic out there. Well, Dario changes. Back. He's definitely back, but we'll see how good he can be. Right, the athleticism was already his biggest question mark. Yeah, and he had one of the injuries that's textbook to sapping your athletic ability. Mm. So. I mean, the beauty of Dario is that it changed the offense just a little bit for them, right? A little bit more of a playmaker from the, the the big man position and things like that, and he could do more of that stuff. That's also the other problem for the Suns. They play one way offensively. 
And for me, like, you got to have a little bit of versatility on offense. You know, it can't just be pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, because then teams can just figure out how to scheme the hell out of you at a certain point, right? And now you're just hoping, hey, we just hope we make our shots. And it gets tough there. So I think that's the other thing for the Suns is they got to find another way to play offensively. It's not Which Landry Shamit. <laughs> no, oh God, no. The Clippers tried to make Landry Shamit a point guard, and he couldn't bring the ball yeah, well, up the court he, without he, turning yeah. the ball over. It looks yeah. like he's dribbling the football. Like, that's what it looks like. <laughs> And that's being nice. <laughs> Which of these three teams will surprise you the most in the West? Denver, Dallas, or Minnesota? And why? I think Denver's slept on. Uh, maybe that's because I talk to Zach all the time, and he just sleeps slept on them constantly. This is, the one year, this is the one year I'm like, yeah, they might be good. They're like, slept on? This is the one year I've that, I, that I'm in. this more often than not. But like, this is, this is like every time we sit at the bar, I have to tell you this. Because um, it's, it's always like, well, oh, Jamal Murray was good in the bubble. So now we have to pretend that he's going to be amazing outside of it. Like, I, but they I, haven't had the depth. Now they have depth. I love the pieces that they added. I think KCP, Bruce Brown's going to help a ton. I think it slots Aaron Gordon more into like the fourth and fifth option type role for them offensively. And I think that just helps with everything. And Look, as banged up as they were last year, they were six in offensive rating last season. Like, I, I won't be surprised if they have the best offense in the league this year. KCP will help on D as well. Yeah. Um, I think with Minnesota, I mean, if we want to talk about vibes, the vibes in Minnesota right now, everyone there is feeling pretty confident and excited. And the fact that Rudy, and they bought into the fact that Rudy is the best defensive player in, in the world, let alone the league. And they think he's going to rise that. You know, whole ceiling there, the rebounding that we saw as an issue against Memphis. You know, in, in terms of which of these teams is the best, I mean, the games will have to be played. But I, I think in terms of overseeing expectations, all the expectations are high. I mean, if those three teams aren't getting home home court advantage in the first round, they're all going to be disappointed. Yeah. I'd also like to remind Mo that I was correct about Denver every year. So while he's been trying to convince me, I've been correct about Denver every year in the playoffs. Uh, with, <laughs> with Minnesota, I mean, Minnesota's going to be a regular season monster. Like, I, right. I think regular season-wise, they're going to win a ton of games. They're going to win a ton of games right away, have a lot of confidence. But the questions about Rudy Gobert and the questions about this Minnesota squad are always going to come down to, does it matter in the playoffs? Right, like the vibes are always great in October in Minnesota, and then by January, people are like, "Who? What? Like, are the Vikings in the playoffs? Like, that's what they're looking for." It's not going to be that case this time, but I think, I think Dallas is probably the team I trust the most. Not just because they just had the the conference finals berth, but they seem to know what they are. Denver, you're hoping Jamal's back. You're hoping. Porter can stay healthy. Like you're hoping Aaron Gordon doesn't take a jump shot. Like you're hoping for certain things there. And and with with Minnesota, we'll see how it is, but they've got some fit things that are going to be questionable. I have never been a Christian Wood guy. Like I don't really get it in terms of the team concept, but having him as a six man, I'm into that idea. The way they played defense last year, I want to see if it carries over, but like Luca in the playoffs I think him and I think I know Mo and I differ on this, but like Spencer Dinwiddie is more than capable of filling that Jalen Brunson role. Like I, I just think that they're I don't know what what kind of counters they have to when teams start going at Jason Kidd's coaching. Like that was a problem in Milwaukee where 
it it was a great first attack, and then at a certain point they were like, "Oh, there's no like we don't have to worry about a counter here. We don't have to worry about an adjustment." There, there he, are no second options. Yeah, he was he was <laughs> he was better about that last year, but that stuff you know you, you don't know necessarily from year to year. But Dallas is the one that I just know that I know what that baseline is, and I I like that baseline for the postseason. The one thing I think with Minnesota too, I think they're going to start out slow only because it's they got to figure out. Cat and Gobert have to figure out exactly how to play together, and I think that's going to take a little bit of time. I think they'll get rolling, but I think it's going to take them at like the first 15, 20 games to kind of figure that, the, just the, get comfortable the, with each other. I just want to let you know their first five are Thunder, Jazz, Thunder, Spurs, Spurs. Okay, so well, they're the, going to start yeah, out 5-0 then. 5-0 out, out the gate. Yeah. Forget about it. Sorry. I, I didn't look at the schedule like that. Never oh, wait, mind. Wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Thunder, Jazz, Thunder, Spurs, Spurs, Lakers, Spurs. Good luck. Oh, seven and zero. Oh. Oh seven God. and zero. <laughs> seven and zero. Jeez. And then Zach, they face the Zach, Suns. Zach, your power rankings might be pretty easy. Oh my God, it's gonna be first real easy for the year. first two weeks. Yeah, it's gonna be. Wow, Minnesota that's amazing. Near the top. Speaking they of a team, tanking a team, gauntlet. A team that, that's gonna have you know, the vibes aren't as great. Boston, you know, with the whole email Doga situation, they lost Gallinari. They've lost Robert Williams for some time. And a, another team with another distraction. How do you think that affects? Know how they go about business early on. I think it settles, right? Like I don't, I don't think the distraction. I think the loss of Robert Williams the third is way m- more important than what the coaching situation is going to be early on. Like they, they don't really have the depth to do that. They can't max out Al Horford's effort early on because like he's old, right? Like you're going to wear him down. You can't just say, "Hey, Grant Williams, go be Chuck Hayes every night and hope that he that he holds up." Like they've they've got a little bit of depth issues. I think they'll be fine ultimately, but um yeah, it's I mean even when Robert Williams III comes back, do we expect him to remain healthy? Like he's he's already had injury problems and then they rushed him back after the meniscus and I like Jake, I think that was a terrible decision. Yeah, I I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to uh say whether or not how he'll be or what they should have done. But I do think ultimately, I mean, they were the best team in the league for three months last year and they were up two one in the finals and everyone is young and in theory still getting better, mostly outside of Al Horford. Um, People there really believe in Joe Missoula. I'll say that. And and I think as, as as much as it's obviously super unfortunate what happened uh, at, at the head coach's position, doesn't seem like people are talking about, losing Ime as this gigantic loss. I, I think they think they've got the infrastructure to withstand this and they're fully expecting to be one of the best teams in the East. So if they do win, just like with Phoenix, like we were talking about in Golden State before, like if they do win, I think all will be fine. But the, there are the seeds of discontent and what have you already being planted. But I, I, I'm more bullish on Boston than uh, than the Suns in terms of overcoming whatever this kind of nonsense has been behind the scenes, being that um, there, are, there are definitely certain people in the league too who would completely devalue coaching and think it doesn't really matter that much. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> All right. I'm not one of those people, but I, I, I think that you can come back from losing. I mean, look at what you talk about Minnesota. Chris Finch put his fingerprints on mm. that team from the second he took over midseason, whatever year that was, 2020, 2021. I think Joe Mazzulis had plenty of run. I mean, it happened right before training camp so and media day, so it seemed like the sky was falling. I think they've had plenty of opportunity to start building this thing in a new direction, and it seems like it's not. It's, everyone's kind of forgotten about it. It doesn't seem like Ime Udoka's preseason situation has really 
left a, a long lasting fingerprint on this. It's film. it's it's Boston. They haven't. They they will bring it up once they lose. Like you well, know, like I mean, the, the the radio in Boston will hate them. The print will love them. Right. That's that's what that's what it is. That's how that's how they go. Also, Bo, before you, I don't know if you saw, but Jay King did tweet out a quote from Justin Jackson that Joe has his full confidence as a coach. Well, I'm glad so Justin, Justin Jackson, Jackson has has co-signed, so we're good. Like, I mean, that's that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> I was waiting for the Justin Jackson co-sign, who I was like, oh, he's still in the league. Um, I'm wait. I was waiting that, for that's, him. That's to, the biggest thing. Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't pick league. him out of a lineup if he was in these boxes here on on this on this <laughs> podcast. You you would because it'd be the one guy you didn't recognize. Um, but ultimately, like the, to the Joe Mazzula point in particular. Right. It's all fine until you have adversity because that's really where it comes down to it, right? Like training camp, everybody's confident about their team. Everybody loves what they got going on and knows what their plan is and things like that. It's once you get into it, go through the struggles, and you're like, damn, it's an end of gameplay. And he he drew up uh, – uh, uh, he has Tatum and, and Brown out there, but he drew up a play for Grant Williams. You're like, what? Like Or whatever, just something weird. But I think the, the depth issue is a bigger issue. And I think Zach touched on it. And I think yeah. we forget Al Horford the year before last basically didn't play basketball. Right. I think and, that helped and, and, him. I think it, I mean, I think it, yeah. It, 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 it helped fresh. him a massive yeah, fun. Sure. His, his body was fresh for that run. And now this year, it's like he's coming off of having played all the way to June, playing yeah. heavy minutes. No Williams. No, um, no viable real backup unless you want to talk about Blake Griffin signing. Um, I think you're, you're really kind of in a situation where it's like you're going to put a lot of stress on Horford at this point early in the season, and he's an important part to that defense, to that offense. And I yeah. think that's something you're looking at where I think goes kind of forgotten, and that's going to be something for Boston that they got to find a way to fill that hole. Is there is there a team that's going to upset or take them off the throne? Is it Brooklyn? Is it Philly? Is it Milwaukee? I know. We finally I mean, get to see some Ben Simmons high pick and roll. I mean, you know, Houston Boston. East looks pretty good. <laughs> I mean, you know, what what Daryl's built over in, in yeah. Philly. I mean, we can laugh all we want. Listen, I didn't like the three years they gave P.J. Tucker. Then I had to remind myself, it doesn't matter if they get to the finals this year. Right? Yeah, it right. paid for itself right there in, the, in that sense. And I think they've done a great job sort of just adding a ton of talent around the edges. The uh, Anthony Melton on top of PJ Tucker. That was you a know, great I think pickup. Yeah, that was an awesome pickup. You know, and and Tyrese Maxey. I think he's going to win Most Improved, and I think he's going to be a guy that's going to really pop. I think you know they got a lot of guys that have something to prove this year. You know, obviously, I'm always going to be afraid Doc Rivers is coaching them, but on top of that, they're they're in pretty good shape. I think I, like- I think I think for 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 Philly, I think Philly is my sleeper because you know you saw James lost about what. Looks like twenty pounds. Well, he's at hundred pounds. I believe he, it. I, we saw that last that last shot of him in Houston. I, if he's talking about since that last pick in Houston, like I I buy a hundred. I mean, it's oh easy to God. lose a lot he of weight big, when you get rid of the fat suit. No, that I will never forget that picture in my head. That's the that, wildest that, picture that like from an in game situation of just like the NBA has given us some great content over the years. If you really think about it, like just from the sheer pregame, postgame stuff, it's it's crazy, mm-hmm. but. You know, obviously, Doc Rivers, we saw the, the viral clip of him talking to James about leadership and understanding roles. And I just think that... It's a private conversation aired on national TV. Yeah, a private conversation. Yeah. Just your Everybody typical private intimate, combo. An intimate conversation <laughs> with, the, with your star player. Did um, they forget they were mic'd up? Like, did, like, oh, I'm, sure, like, I'm sure they forgot. That's There's definitely... I mean, a Daryl Morey team with propaganda? Nah, nah I, don't, I don't see that happening. <laughs> but, 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 you know, like, Daryl's always loved, you know, DeAnthony Melton. He never got a chance to actually... 
have him on the roster because he, he left Houston um, bringing P.J., bringing Daniel House back. Now, if there was one team I think that could uh, upset the Celtics, I think it would be Philly. Um, obviously, everyone's going to say Milwaukee and for a good reason why, but I just think don't forget about Philly this year. That, that's just me. Don't forget about that culture in Miami, baby. The oh, culture. Look, they just keep doing it every damn year. They keep showing up and wrecking stuff and plugging in Omer Yurt 7 and Caleb Martin and and every and Gabe Vincent, and they keep winning games. And so I, I think it's easy to forget them. Uh, one thing on Philly, though, I think I think the presence of Sam Cassell as a coach there right. will, really hate, will really help James Harden. Like I think that's going to be a great voice for him just pulling him aside because it's not that James Harden isn't like doesn't know what he's doing but I think keeping the right mentality of of staying focused in those big moments like I like Sam is the perfect guy for that his his wisdom everyone latches on to what he's talking about I think that could help James Harden a lot Jake is there anything on on Chris Milton I know he's going to be your free agent next summer is there anything about his future and just the continuity of that Bucks team as a whole I mean, it seems like he's goes at, or the team goes as he goes, right? If he wasn't hurt, the Bucks would have beaten the Celtics, and they probably would have won the finals, right? So, um, I think as long as he can't, I mean, the health has been a thing. Go back to I remember I did a story with him years ago back in my SI days, where his he ripped his hamstring from his, the bone in his leg. Like he's had a lot of injury shit. So maybe that's a concern moving forward if you're the Bucks to give him that big payday, but. I I don't I I would be surprised. I mean, the way that people around there talk about the value and the importance to to that team that he brings, I think mm-hmm. if he can be there wire to wire this season and ultimately be that number two, and and I mean Mo knows better than me, but they they rely on his ball handling far more than I think people really uh, value. He he's arguably their primary creator when it's I mean, when you take out transition opportunities with Giannis ripping it off the rim and. Getting up and getting up the floor, they're they're gonna they're gonna really miss him while he's out. But I, I don't know how I have no insight as to how long he's gonna be on the shelf moving forward here. But I, I think as long as he can come back and contribute pretty consistently, they're gonna be fine. They're gonna be one of the mo- biggest dangerous threats in the East. They they seem people in Milwaukee seem to talk like they've got a chip on their shoulder. That you know, if they did have him, you know, like we said, so they're going to try to make up for that this season, and I think they are kind of all moving in one direction. I mean, without Middleton, they have no half court offense. It's really just give it to Giannis and hope he gets, you know, fouled, gets can get to the rim or something like that. Drew Holiday will help in some in some regard with that as well. But like you just saw it in that Boston series. If Boston was able to keep the game in the half court, they won the game. If it was a transition game, the Bucs would win. And that's why it went to seven, because it was back and forth like that. That's where Middleton comes in. And that's that's where they need him. But that's also where they need other guys to step up. They need, it's going to be tough, but they need a healthy Joe Ingles when he comes back in January or whenever he comes back from that ACL. And that's a lot to ask for Joe. But if he can provide some playmaking and help them in the half court as well, just bolsters the team. But they need Middleton to be the half court guy. We can't preview the NBA season without, you no. Know, Hashtag rebuild watch. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, first of all, what the hell is going on in Oklahoma City? Um, I, I think. Is this as usual, man? That's what <laughs> I was shocked. I saw a tweet that said that Shea Gilgus Alexander is going to be ready for the start of the season. Wow. I was like, yo, I thought they were going to hold him out for a while. No, 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 no. no. But, they, hold, they hold him out from mid-February through the end of the season. Like you, ha- you sell the tickets, you sell the jerseys early on. Like, hey, Shea's playing. Look, all-star caliber. And then it's like, oh, by the way, we – your ankle looks a little sore, Shay. Maybe you should take the next two months off. 
Listen, I, I got a little bit of trouble from a clip of mine on basketball Illuminati being taken out of context by the Thunder fan base. On the uh, internet? There's the no Thunder answer. fan base? The Thunder oh, fan base getting God. mad? In 2022? What? I want to be clear right now on the ecosystem that what the Thunder have done resting guys is the same that Houston did with John Wall and uh, what Orlando did with Terrence Ross and other veterans previously. So I am fully aware that it's not just OKC that has uh, practiced in the overt principle of sitting oh. healthy players. But that's get over yourself. They're not going to take Wimbanyama off your team if they figured out that you were tanking the whole time. <laughs> like, just the, you, we know the goal. It's fine. We know the goal. And I think, honestly, of all those teams, the Thunder are the team that, that needs the lottery luck the most. I know Chet Holmgren wanted to go. I mean, for everything I was told, Holmgren wanted to go to OKC versus going to Orlando, wanted to be part of an organization that's been there, that's been to the finals, that's competed deep into the postseason. Um, and I think that's a big thing that Thunder fans are a little bit defensive about and that they have created a lot of winning uh, for the NBA that other teams haven't in the last two decades. Um, so maybe that infrastructure that they have in place will ultimately help them springboard out of this against those other teams. But I think the road is very far away from any any of those crews coming out of the of the cellar here. I mean, Orlando I think has a little bit of expectations to be a bit better here. I know that Kelly, you you know way better than me. There's a bit of pressure. It sounds like in Houston to at least right. be a bit more competitive, right? Yeah. Um, but the, the Thunder do seem to be the team that has uh, the most interest in in being at at the bottom of the standing. I've I've just never seen a fan base root that much for the lowest expectations. And I think that's kind of the the deal with all these teams are tanking. I'm not, and this is going to be the year to do it. I think we're going to see tanking way before February, Zach. I think we're going to see teams oh, start tanking sure. by like yeah. January one, you know, and, and look, you know, my beloved Spurs, they're going to be tanking like crazy. Like they're going to be, they are trotting out. They are. Tanking. They are. They, they, they already are. If, yeah. they can, if teams can forfeit I saw that games, game, they they're would. definitely tanking. They're tanking. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's not even, you know, like there's, there's all of that stuff. So I think you're going to have. Uh, I think you're just going to see a wild variance of like Spurs starting 0 and 20. Other teams are going to be like, "Whoa, no, <laughs> they can't be worse than us." It's so, isn't it dumb it's, though? Be, just because of the way the lottery odds are, like you just have to be bottom four. You don't have to. And it's the different. Being the worst doesn't like, really do anything for you, right? You can't. You can't risk a stupid win. In, 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 on like March fifteenth, their best you know, players, Jakob Pertl. I think right. they're. I think yeah. they're going to be okay. <laughs> Tra- oh, trade. Going to trade him. Going to trade Jakob Pertl. He's their best player. Gone. Yeah. You know we're going to. I think. I think it was crazy. I think it was crazy. Um, being at the lottery and seeing because everyone figured Detroit was going top what two three and then they end up with the fifth pick in the draft. So mm-hmm. there is no really tanking. Is like it's like a double edged sword. You you got to be. There has to be some kind of luck involved at the end of the day to, to kind of get what you want. Looks the worst. The bottom three teams, although to Zach's point, it, it's it's better now if you're the three seed or, or the three seed. If you have the third worst odds, it's better yeah. than previously. But the play-in tournament has done far more to dissuade teams from tanking than the lottery odds have. And I think we saw you know we saw Sacramento and New Orleans right. their mid-season right. trades last year to try to do what New Orleans did, get into that play-in tournament, make a fun run to the eight seed. That has dissuaded teams far more than the lottery change because, I mean, the very first year of the new lottery odds, 2019, Memphis and New Orleans were the two teams that decided to reverse course and fumble down the standings, and they jumped up from 7th and 6th, respectively, I believe, because 
those odds are better now. It, yeah. You have a better chance of number one pick between the third worst record and like the ninth worst record, which is where the Lakers also were when they jumped up to get the fourth pick, which I'm sure they would have been able to get AD regardless of that. But jumping up to the fourth pick helped make that deal happen altogether. So it, it has created a lot more variance and a lot more drama. And the lottery room come May, whatever, in Chicago – I look forward to being inside there. <laughs> the, the, well, the the real quick the there are probably like what like realistically four or five teams that we can like pencil in as like these are title contenders. Everybody else should be tanking. That's right. I'm calling for 25 <laughs> teams in the league to tank. Like 25. Yama is that legitimate? This like it is. You can't pass this. Yeah, Everybody should be just injuring their own players and, you know, firing their coaches and suspending the, like everything. Like it needs to be as chaotic as possible. The 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 second pick isn't a bad prize either. No, Scoot it's is Scoot great, is man. Scoot's gonna yeah. be amazing oh God, Scoot, too. Scoot is gonna be yeah, but Victor is, you know, literally heads and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, I was talking to an exec in Vegas who was there for the, the Victor Bull, whose team was supposed to be in the fifty win echelon, let's say. And I said, how are you feeling? You know, you guys are supposed to be blah, blah, blah. That twitch. <laughs> and he said, you know, it's great. But there is, this is one of those years that you kind of wish you were aligned to be yeah. bad. So, people are talking about it, man. It's going to be oh, a storyline all throughout the year. I mean, it's we're going to see the guy go down in, in November or, or December. And the team's going to feel like, okay, our season's over. Boom. We're yeah. just going to start tanking. Right. And again, full circle, that's where the Lakers come in going, like, can we pick off – you're, you know, off of this dead carcass and, 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 and grab a player that can help us. I think that's going to be, and not just the Lakers, I think there's going to be a lot of teams on the trade market that are going to, some. we're going to get a super team out of this, out of one team trying to tank for Wemenyama. Like, I we're think gonna that's going to get a super team happen. wherever Wemenyama ends up. That's yeah, what we're going to so get. We'll have two. We'll have two. It might be he'll, Houston. He'll, he'll have created two. It might be he'll Houston, do the unbelievable yeah. thing. He'll Mo, create two. Mo, I know the people in Houston love you very much, so oh, i yeah, they put do. you on the spot here. Are you a fan of you know, their approach to the rebuild right now. I like it. I mean, look, I, I, I'm a big fan. I'm excited for Jabari Smith. I think Tari Eason's been a, a, a fun revelation oh, for them. You know, He's I think good. this is was, yeah. was a solid pick. I like the guys they have. Now you just got to put it into a cohesive unit. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see it this year because a kid named Webem Yama. So it's not a, <laughs> right. a it's, it's, it's kind of like in that weird scenario. I think, you know, but I, like... Stone has Randall Stone. He has nailed these last two drafts, like completely. Yeah. Like he has, like if yeah. if you're gonna be in this position, I know, I know, like the picks. Some of the picks came before, right? Like I don't, I don't think he was responsible for everything la last draft. Um, but the picks that they ended up with, he has nailed every single selection. And I think the Rockets are gonna be bad this year because they're just too young. But there's so much talent. Like I don't know how you can look at that roster and not think two years from now this is a crazy exciting team. And that's we don't even know who they're going to add with whatever lottery pick they end up with. Mo, Mo do you see? I guess because everyone for a long time thought that Jabari Smith was going to be the first guy off the board. Obviously, that that didn't happen. Falling to number three, but what do you see his ceiling as um, in a Rocket uniform? Oh. That's a tough one to say, but I think he just fits perfectly for what they need. He's going to provide some defense, which they have not right. had in a while, which is something that they, they badly need, as well as a guy that can shoot the ball and help spread right. the floor a little bit for guys like Jalen Green and, and Kevin Porter Jr. to kind of get to the, 
the the hole a little bit more. I think playing off of Sengun is going to be a little bit of fun. I know uh, uh, a lot of NBA hipsters are in on that, but like I think Jabari Smith just has a chance to be, you know, really just one of those guys you look at going like this dude's essential to winning, you know, because he can do so much on both ends of the court, and it's it, it, it's an important piece. It was a great pick for them. I think they really got lucky in him falling in his hands. I didn't like the fit and the idea of Jalen Green and Paolo Banchero together, just because I felt like we'd have a fight for the ball. And Paolo's I feel like with Smith, I think you're crazy. Paolo's going to be a monster, man. Paolo's oh, he's going to be a monster, but I think him and Green are going to fight for the ball in that sense. I think Paolo's that's great. That still would have been pretty crazy, though. There's 105 you know? possessions in every game. There's plenty of offense to go around for everyone. I had I like three pages. Yeah, they did. They seem they, they was, ready yeah. for it. Yeah. Paolo just yeah. said it in a one-on-one with our guy Mark Stein. Like he was all yeah. on board to go three. The, the Seattle connection, they were all ready to go. But mm-hmm. Orlando did the thing, man. They they pulled out the curtain from everybody. How long are we going to see Orlando in the draft lottery with Paolo? Yeah, they don't have a lot <laughs> around him. That's the issue. like they have a lot of ideas, right? I mean, Wagner's Franz Wagner's really good. Like you can pencil him in, but do you know who the best lead guard is out of Fultz? Cole Anthony no. and and Jalen Suggs. Like, it should be Suggs in theory, but he's, like, he can't make shots, right? And, and he's been struggling. And now, and now he's hurt to to start off the season, right? Like, like it's, right. he's good defensively. Like, he can actually make – he was making a lot of plays for a rookie guard, but, um, you know, is Mo Bamba going to fit well with Paolo? Is Wendell Carter Jr. going to fit well with Paolo? Can they play the three of them together? Does Jonathan – like, they're talking about, oh, we got to ease Jonathan Isaac back onto the court. I'm like, he's been – He's been out since the bubble, like the like it's right. been a long time without him, and so that's got to be concerning. Like I, I just think there there are ideas, and and I think Paolo's going to run away with rookie of the year. Like I I just think he's by far he's going to have the ball in his hands the most. He's going to score a bunch. He's a matchup nightmare for everybody. He's a bully, and he knows how to be a bully, and that's just gonna that's gonna give him a lot of points and easy rookie of the year candidacy. But everything around that man, it's just they still have a lot of work to do. Well, the, the the one thing I'd say though, that yeah, <laughs> but the, but the one thing I'd say about Orlando, like we forget, they they have potential to get two lottery picks in this draft, depending how Chicago's season goes, you yeah. know. So they have Chicago's pick top four protected. I mean, if they're bad enough and they're in the top four, and then they get Chicago somewhere in the seven or eight range, like I don't think then you have the building blocks. I don't yeah. like that's they're. I think to me that they're like borderline playing right now, so. It's. I mean, everyone fighting for that tenth spot is like the Knicks, the Wizards, the Hornets, the Pistons. Like Chicago's better than those teams. Yeah, but if they get there, I mean, they already we already know Lonzo's going to be out for a little bit. They get another injury, and I don't know how they get another injury. They're be. still going against the Knicks and the Wizards and the Pistons and the Hornets. Like <laughs> I think the Knicks. I think the Knicks are going to be better than 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 you think. But I think the you know I don't know if Demar can have another amazing season that he had last year the way he started. I don't know if that's if that's there. So. I'll be interested to see how it goes for Chicago, but that might work perfectly for Orlando. This has been fun, guys. I know I took too much of your time today, but I want to appreciate you guys for coming on the show. Shout out to Jake, Zach, and Mo. Tune into the ecosystem every week on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever the hell you listen to your podcast. And I'll see y'all next week.